from Hollywood is rated LGBT Radio, starring your host, Rob Watson! Good afternoon, good evening, good day. Whenever you happen to be listening to this podcast, we welcome you. You are listening to Rated LGBT Radio, and I am Rob Watson. Um, we are, many people listen to our podcast uh, well after the time they've been recorded. So just to give you perspective, if you are listening to this from a, at a later date, we are right in the thick of the shelter-at-home orders and the um, uh, COVID-19 virus um, pandemic. Um, so we're dealing with that currently, and um, uh, that's, that's kind of ruling everybody's world right at the moment. Um, if you are listening to this currently um, and looking for online entertainment, uh, please do check out our library of past podcasts, many of them are very, very relevant um, in the news ones, uh, especially regarding the Supreme Court and different um, guests that we've had on um, are all relevant uh, today as much as they were from the date that they were recorded. But also we have a lot of podcasts that are artists and filmmakers whose films and work are available on streaming media. Um, and uh, some of those are really pertinent and would be very worthwhile to check out and download and watch. So, uh, and again, the, um, the podcasts themselves are worth your time. Um, and if you have friends also, please encourage them to subscribe to rated LGBT radio. They can find that on pretty much any podcast app that they're using on their smartphone, um, or on blog talk, um, through their computer. Uh, so anyway, Lots of material there um, for home entertainment while you're sheltering in place. Um, today's show, we are going to talk about something that has been occurring as part of the COVID-19 spread, but it isn't being talked about very much because of all the other direct virus um, stories that are hitting the uh, airways. But that issue is that hate crimes are also rising um, during this crisis. And um, so to talk about that, we're going to um, pretty much the best authority in all of the United States, the Southern Poverty Law Center that watches out for us in terms of the hate crime issue. And um, one of their brightest stars, uh, Alicia Brooks, who is the chief workplace transformation officer and has also previously served as their outreach director um, is here today waiting on deck and she's going to talk to us about the current hate crime outbreak and uh, hopefully what we can do about it. Uh, before we bring uh, Leisha on, I do want to welcome my esteemed co-host and uh, well-renowned journalist, Brody Levesque. Brody, welcome to the show. Okay, Rob. Good afternoon, good day, good evening to all of our listeners, wherever you are and however you are listening to our podcast. We really do appreciate it. And yes, please spread the word. 
Um, and like Rob, I too am in California sheltering in place, folks. So this hasn't been a real cup of tea either. Um, but before we do bring on uh, Leisha from the Southern Poverty Law Center, there were a couple of things that uh, I did uh, want to talk uh, about, Rob, that I think uh, are kind of important because as most of the news cycle has been focusing, obviously, on uh, related to COVID-19 coverage. There have been some things that have kind of slipped under the wire, and these are things that I think um, are, are really terribly uh, important. But uh, I was asked by uh, Kathy Renna, who is a friend of the show and uh, a friend of mine personally. She's a longtime uh, LGBTQ activist, a former spokesperson for GLAAD, uh, and she runs her own shop now in New York City. Uh, and there's a piece out in GayCityNews.com about a gay uh, Mount Sinai hospital registered noose. And uh, he passed away because of a lack of protective equipment. And uh, even though Governor Cuomo and the authorities in New York are just doing a brilliant job of trying to take care of New Yorkers and trying to take care of folks in the city, um, there is a real, real need out there for PPE, as it's referred to as. And unfortunately, they're very real casualties. And uh, Kias Killy was the uh, RN's name. He was 48 years old. Uh, and by all accounts, uh, he was just an incredible uh, nurse. And so um, I want to send a shout out uh, on behalf of Kathy and, of course, the rest of us uh, to his family and friends. Uh, commiserations and condolences uh, on this loss. And again, uh, illustrates the point that if you are now one of the 170 million Americans who are under some sort of safer at home or shelter in place rule, we beg you, we plead with you to please, please, please respect that. The only way we're going to get this thing tackled is if we flatten that curve. And the only way we can flatten that curve is if you stay home. So if you've got no reason at all whatsoever to go out, please don't stay at home. You know, watch television, YouTube, listen to our podcast, but seriously, just stay at home. Um, Rob, I, before I go to the next story, I just want to let you jump in on that one. If not, I'm going to go to the other thing that's really got me annoyed today. No, I, I think the, um, the passing of the RN is incredibly important. And if people, um, they're, the medical supplies are desperately needed um, there are groups that are actually sewing face masks um, that can be used by medical professionals. Um, so please check that out locally, see if there's anybody, or online. I'm sure if you Google search um, uh, places that are doing that, and if you have a sewing machine and extra material at home, um, you can probably contribute to that. Um, and obviously, if you are one of the individuals who has purchased face masks, because you're very nervous about that and are hoarding those, please give them up. Give them up. There's no reason for you to have them. They need to be out there. Um, the best thing we can do in these times is do smart things and courageous things and uh, look for, out for everybody for the common good, um, because there are people's lives who depend upon it. Brody? Yeah, I think part of that, um, it's something that we just can't reinforce enough. Um, now, another friend of our show and a personal friend of mine who just celebrated uh, her birthday yesterday, and I'm not going to bother mentioning her age, she'll kill me, but uh, Don Ennis, who is the managing editor of Outsports, 
uh, magazine uh, wanted me to talk a little bit about this uh, situation. This is kind of what I was talking about in terms of, you know, they're, they're kind of throwing things in there while everybody else's attention is diverted. Um, Attorney General William Barr signed an order of interest in a case in Connecticut, which directly involves the U.S. Justice Department in a federal civil lawsuit that seeks to block transgender athletes in Connecticut from competing as girls in interscholastic sports. The essence of the argument is that um, there should be no trans women participating in sports because they're men. That's kind of the bottom line. Um, And now, of course, with the attorney general signaling uh, his interest in it, uh, getting the statement of interest, which he signed on Tuesday, um, you know, the suit is arguing against the Interscholastic Athletic Conference of the state of Connecticut, which is the board that oversees the state's high school athletic competitions. Um, that state organization was allowing uh, girls and boys to participate in sports according to their gender identity. There was a group of students, girls, uh, who argued that a transgender woman uh, is biologically male, therefore has an inherent edge over girls, uh, which is false. It's, it's pseudoscience. Uh, but they took it in and um, they went ahead and filed, uh, filed suit. And so now it's ended up uh, in U.S. District Court. And, of course, with the interest of the Justice Department, it's yet another signaling by the Trump administration uh, in a very anti-LGBTQ way. Uh, I'm going to quote the attorney of the girls that filed suit. This is kind of annoying, but this is what the gentleman, the the woman said. Males will always have an inherent physical advantage over comparably talented and trained girls. That's the reason we have girls sports in the first place. And a male's belief about his gender doesn't eliminate those advantages. The problem with that message is it's just completely false. And the other problem with that message is, is that it dehumanizes and decouples any shred of humanity, okay, from trans people. Um, as Dom points out uh, in a private message to me earlier today, that one of the things that uh, is also being affected, obviously, uh, is how skewed this is towards trans women, who are women, who are girls, as opposed to trans men, who once again seem to be slipping under the radar in terms of this. Uh, and, and, and I will say this for me, I think this goes back to, the evangelical Christians and the Pentecostal Christians and the, the, the ones that are constantly, you know, screaming that, that, you know, God had created male and female and this and that. And at the end of the day, it's no gender is not determined by biology. Gender is not determined by, uh, you know, which genitalia you have between your legs. Gender is just not that kind of a construct. And I think as a society, the quicker you move towards that reality, the faster things will get. But once again, we have a situation here where the Trump administration has directly inserted itself in a very transphobic way uh, against in this particular lawsuit. Uh, and unfortunately, that's not the only thing. As you know, Rob, the uh, $3 trillion-plus package was uh, passed through by the Senate last night. It's now in the U.S. House for consideration. This is a package that, of course, is relief for the coronavirus uh, pandemic and trying to get money into the hands of small businesses and others, including individuals. And as part of that, anti-abortion activists have tried to slip legislative language into it, uh, along with other things that they're doing. Uh, my colleague, uh, Caitlin Burns from Vice, 
Uh, her headline in today's article was, Republicans are using the pandemic to push anti-abortion and anti-trans agendas. Uh, the article is very well detailed. It goes on. Uh, if you would like to read it, it is at Vox.com. The title is Republicans are using the pandemic to push anti-abortion and anti-trans agendas. I'm going to highly recommend that you go read this piece. Um, while I know that a lot of the media, including myself, uh, are focused in on issues revolving around this pandemic, this hasn't stopped the Republicans from being clueless wits about this. So anyway, so there's that. That's all I've got. Um, yeah. With your permission, Rob. Brody, the, the, uh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, go go ahead. Ahead. before we move on, um, I really think the there needs to be much, much more done um, in terms of the communication around the teen sports issue. Um, I disagree with you that this is all coming out of the evangelical right um, because I listen to a lot of um, conservative-leaning radio and a lot of the, the expressions of viewpoints there. And there are a lot of people that look at it um, very differently, and it's not because they're religious. It's because um, there is that point there that I don't think has been answered well in terms of why there are girl and boy sports, um, whether, you know, it's, it is assumed that there is a male prowess and advantage athletically that all boys are at a certain um, biological advantage over girls and therefore they're set on a different scale in competition, um, you know, and, you know, whether that is because of a natural testosterone, you know, you know, uh, contribution within the body or not. And I don't think, I mean, we, we have to both look out for the rights of trans women and trans girls, but um, if we don't answer that and answer that with, with whatever science there is to support it um, in a better way, the public is not going to support us on this. I mean, we have, we, we cannot, you know, it's like there needs to be answers about that because I mean, we're talking about teens oftentimes that are, are on hormone therapy and that hormone therapy can contribute, I would assume to some physical, you know, abilities. In, in one way or another. Um, and the reason trans boys are not under that is because theirs is kind of going the other direction. But I do believe that, that, that um, cisgender girls for competing, and if they were found to be taking testosterone to boost their athletic performance, that they would probably be disqualified for doing that. Correct? That is correct. But, and again, um, you're right. I, I think there needs to be more um, study into this. The International Olympic Committee has been looking at it. The sports federations have also been looking at it. There was a controversy uh, by the International Soccer uh, FIFA over this very issue. I, I guess the main point, more than anything else, however, is just the fact that the United States Justice Department, in a very anti-trans way, inserted itself into a state case in federal district right. court that should not have been, you know. Um, well, yeah. yeah. And anyway. anything, anything, any, anywhere where um, the Trump administration and the Justice Department smells, you know, anti-LGBTQ 
you know, blood at all. They're like a shark and they, you know, they dive in there to, to make it worse. But um, I just think that, you know, there are quite a few areas where our fight needs to be, you know, adamant and strong because they're, they're, the things that are coming at us are completely baseless. Um, and the public see that, especially in, in areas, I think, when parental um, determination of the welfare of their kids, I, I don't think the conservative argument against that is going to stand to much scrutiny. But this isn't one of those cases where people are raising eyebrows. And if there's education that needs to be done, we need that put out there sooner than later. Um, because people are not going to be assumptively on the on the side of the transgender rights. True. So my two cents on that. Yeah. All right. Um, before we uh, go to Alicia, uh, uh, as you know, Rob, we are proudly sponsored by an organization that I write for, uh, the Los Angeles Blade, and the Los Angeles Blade and our sister publication, the Washington Blade. Uh, are remaining in print. We are remaining in operation. It's really tough times. Uh, we have what's called the Blade Foundation uh, that is available on the web. So if you like our journalism and you'd like to support us, we would dearly appreciate it. Uh, you can go to WashingtonBlade.com or the LosAngelesBlade.com, uh, and there is a tab to the foundation, and we're asking uh, for your generosity and support. Uh, many of our advertisers right now are having a very hard time. Uh, and can't contribute, uh, you know, advertising money the way they normally would because, you know, this is the this is the domino effect that you know with the staying uh, at home orders in place and the other factors as people desperately try to avoid this virus. Um, there's no money in restaurants and a bunch of these other businesses and no customers, no business, no advertising. It's hard for us. So if you would. Uh, Seriously, consider going to WashingtonBlade.com or LosAngelesBlade.com and give us a contribution. Um, we would very, very, very much appreciate that. Um, and uh, before Rob brings her on, I, uh, our show this week is in part based off of an interview I did with our guest earlier in the week for the Los Angeles Blade, which hits the streets uh, in our boxes uh, tomorrow in Los Angeles. Um, and essentially what this is, is and, and I wrote, uh, as the number of these coronavirus COVID-19 cases increases daily in California, there's also been a sharp increase in incidents of racist or hateful comments directed at Asian Americans, LGBTQI plus people, and immigrants. These incidences represent a spike in an already worrisome trend of anti-LGBTQI plus animus. Lucia Brooks, Brooks, a spokesperson for the Southern Poverty Law Center, tells the Los Angeles Blade, a significant factor fueling the frequency of this trend is the racist rhetoric of President Donald Trump, Brooks says. Trump has refused to refer to the virus and the accompanying pandemic by its given scientific label, instead referring to it as the Chinese virus in press briefings and photo opportunities. So uh, with that, I'll throw it to Rob, but uh, it, it definitely has been something that has contributed. And as Leisha will be talking about, there's been actually more to it. The Southern Poverty Law Center last week just released, uh, released their annual uh, hate crime report, uh, and it showed a troubling trend, a 43% increase 
uh, in hate crimes. Um, so with that, Rob, uh, why don't we bring her yeah. on? Yeah, I'd like to introduce um, to our audience uh, Lisa Brooks. Again, Lisa is the Chief Workplace Transformation Officer and previously the um, Outreach Director for the Southern Poverty Law Center. Uh, we welcome her to the show um, with uh, absolutely total gratitude for both the organization and what she personally does for it. Uh, Lisa, welcome to the show. Thank you, Rob, and thank you, thank you, Brody. It's you know it's an honor to be on. Let me, let me first also add my condolences in the passing of Nurse Kelly, and really to just thank and acknowledge the hard work of uh, nurses, doctors, uh, medical providers who are literally risking their lives to save our lives. So I just want to thank them and echo Brody's. Um, plea that we all um, abide by the you know kind of stay at home policies. Disregard right, what the president is saying, <laughs> and <laughs> and and shelter in place is this is what we need to do. We will flatten the curve, and we will get we will get beyond this. But we have to you know follow science and not the president. Um, before before I um, comment on. SPLC's year in hate report, I was just dying while they had me on hold while y'all were having the conversation <laughs> about Attorney General Barr. <laughs> I, I just, there's a couple things, there's a couple things I need to point out. Um, Brody, you're absolutely right. You know, it's consistent with, with the Trump administration and their anti-LGBTQ uh, agenda. It's important to note, however, that the families of those three girls who are bringing the lawsuit are being helped by the Alliance Defending yeah. Freedom, which is an SPLC-designated hate group. So this is consistent with, with what they're doing nationwide in terms of pushing back on, on transgender rights, and specifically transgender rights. Now, I want to applaud and hold up the Connecticut Interscholastic Athletic Conference, which, as you said, Brody, they allow a, a youth, to to participate in sports based on their on their gender identity, right? And what they had to say about um, the lawsuit was, and I, I just want to lift this up too, that they say and they acknowledge this. This speaks to what you're saying, Rob, about kind of a lack of definitive um, facts or information about um, sports and competing. Uh, they say and acknowledge that that because this is coming under a Title IX ruling, and they say that the federal legal guidance around the word sex is, is just an ambiguous term. It has an ambiguous meaning. And ADF, the Alliance for Defending Freedom's interpretation of the word, has not kept pace with contemporary science, advances in medical knowledge, and social norms. That's what the association said. You are absolutely correct the science is still evolving, and, and what science we do have supports uh, students' ability, a right to be able to um, uh, compete or participate in the sport that aligns with their gender identity. Um, and speaking of the, the science, I would just remind us that when we have the facts on science, people who hold um, far-right extremist views, be they, be they religious Ultra religious conservatives are not tend not to believe the science. 
So for, for the time being, I'm going to trust that this association, Connecticut, did their due diligence and um, are assuring that the students that are competing in high school sports across the state of Connecticut do not, one doesn't have a, a competitive edge over the other. So I just, I just want to, just want to hold that, hold that to the side and still also hold up what you were saying, Rob. But, but more importantly, I want to, I want to show how ADF, um, this is a big, this is a bigger part of the issue. So the Southern Poverty Law Center uh, last week released our annual census on hate groups and hate and extremism in the United States, for, released it for 2019. And as Brody mentioned, there was a tremendous 43% increase in the number of anti-LGBTQ groups. 43%. This is over 2018. This is a one-year jump that's incredible. Um, our overall total went down slightly um, of, of all hate groups amongst all the ideologies. We went from a record high of 1020 in 2018 to 940 in, 2019. The number of anti-LGBT groups outpaced the number of white nationalist groups. That should just alarm us all. And there was an increase in white nationalist mm -hmm. groups as well. So uh, if we look back in 2016, we identified 52 anti-LGBT groups, 49 in 2017, 49 in 2018, and now we're up to 70. So I want to talk about a, for a minute why we think that is so. Um, primarily, well, not primarily. I, I want to say primarily it's Trump because all, all signs do pro point back to the Trump administration. But I'll, I will start by saying that there was some increase in grassroots organizing against uh, LGBTQ members. I believe, and the Southern Poverty Law Center believes, our research shows, that um, the anti-LGBTQ rhetoric that comes out of the White House um, adds to it. And so we're seeing a resurgence amongst uh, the religious right in organizing against and pushing back against rights and protections that we had already kind of hard fought for and won um, in the in the court of public opinion. You won't, you know, we, we all remember that we the the country was moving forward to a full and total acceptance of LGBTQ people as you know full human beings with 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 um, civil and human rights. And now, um, since since the Trump administration, there's been a, a market pushback in that. I'll remind um, maybe some people who are listening to the podcast um, believed the president when he said in, during his 2016 campaign that he was going to be a friend, a true friend to the um, mm -hmm. to the LGBT community. Well, we see that that has not happened. He's a he's he's a friend to those who would seek to push back on all of the all of the gains that we have made. This move that um, Attorney General Barr made today is not the first time that the Department of Justice has intervened in, a, in an anti-LGBTQ case or lawsuit. The DOJ filed an amicus brief um, in, in, with the Supreme Court in support of, with the help of ADF, um, in cases that that were Title VII lawsuits that address the question of whether or not the prohibition on discrimination because of sex find, found in Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 bars discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity. The administration, the Trump administration, claims that it does not apply. 
He also spoke uh, last year at the Values Voter Summit, the second year in a row, where he made clear his opposition to the Equality Act, which had passed the House last year that was sought to add sexual orientation and gender identity to the Civil Rights Act. He has surrounded himself by anti-LGBTQ people, including um, Family Research Council President Tony Perkins, who just just gushes um, anytime he's asked how many times he's been to the White House. He, 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 Tony Perkins, these are his words, we're not on the outside looking in, we're on the inside working out. So he's already been at he's been at the White House more times uh, in the Trump administration than he ever was during the Bush administration and the Obama administration combined. And um, Trump has also made some pretty significant appointments um, of anti-LGBT people to pretty important positions within the administration. So that coupled with um, an increase in in grassroots organizing. Uh, primarily around you know, churches organizing and also a group called Mass Resistance that's out of all places just outside of Boston. Um, and this is the group that protests at um, school board meetings, pushing back on on primarily transgender rights, but LGBTQ rights writ large. And they also take the time to interrupt drag queen, queen story hours at, at the library. So that's what's happening. That's kind of what we're facing on the LGBTQ front. And what what are you seeing directly as a throwback from the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, um, specific hate well, crimes it, across the board, not just LGBT, but LGBT plus and, and racial yes. ones? Yes. Well, with respect to um, you know the current crisis of COVID nineteen, just to be clear, the, the our our report was twenty nineteen, um, but now we see because you know far right extremists uh, always seek to to um, take advantage of any kind of you know upset or crisis, so they thrive in this kind of environment. And once again, President Trump has has paved the way. So, as Brody mentioned, his 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 retra- his his refusal to call call the virus the coronavirus, novel coronavirus, COVID nineteen. No, he he insists on calling it the Chinese virus, which has produced um, a huge uh, well, it's put a huge target on the back of of Asians or anyone perceived to be Asians. So, Asian in in the in the in the reality of COVID nineteen. Asian Americans have now become targets of, of bias attacks. Um, not, but not only um, Asians, although they're the primary target now. We're seeing it's we're seeing other immigrants, or not other immigrants, people who are perceived as immigrants, also being attacked. I would also add that there's a lot of anti-Semitism going on um, within chat rooms right now um, around COVID-19. Um, anti-Semites typically they're looking for any excuse to to uh, blame Jews for you know whatever the the current the current ill of the day is in in their mind. So there this is happening globally and domestically where um, they're of course blaming blaming Jews and um, talking about um, uh, organizing one another to to infect 
members of the Jewish community and LGBTQ people. There was some chatter around and that they should go to places where LGBTQ people congregate, where Jews congregate, and in fact, the door handles and, um, you know, that kind of thing to, to spread the virus. So it's, it's, it's very, it's very disturbing. And, um, once again, you know, we have a lack of leadership at the top that can get a handle on this and, and pull the country together. But no, you know, he's using it. He's also tweeting about um, immigrants and saying this is why we have borders and, you know, insisting that um, immigration that is some way, in some way connected to the spread of, of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to hop in for um, a second because one of the yeah, people please. that you and I – one of the people that Lisha, you and I spoke about in our phone conversation during the interview for the Blade was, of course, our, our friend Rick Wiles, um, who's a notorious homophobe. Uh, mm-hmm. He got on his little program that he does with True News. And by the way, to our listeners who don't know who Rick Wiles is, he's notoriously racist, anti-Semitic, very anti-LGBT, and he is a credentialed member of the White House Press Corps. And he is a spiritual advisor to the president of the United States. So that should probably give you an idea of where Trump is with this. Today, on his little show, he said, and I'm quoting, Right Wing Watch captures it. God is spreading the coronavirus in synagogues because, quote, he's dealing with those who oppose his son, Jesus Christ, end quote. And, of course, this is after he tried to blame the LGBTQI community for coronavirus and a few others. I, this, unfortunately, this kind of rhetoric and this kind of nonsense, you know, we can't afford to just put it in a little category and say, okay, well, this is just this one crazy person doing it. And, and we says, you know, with the tracking that the hate uh, watch does at the Southern Poverty Law Center and some of the other folks around the country, uh, these people are not a minority. It, we're not talking about a minority of crazies. And if we were, it would be a little different. The problem is, is we're talking about a group of individuals that still sway a tremendous amount, okay, and mom, pop, apple pie, Chevrolet, and the Walmart customers, particularly, okay, and I know I'm going to get phone calls for this one, but I don't care, particularly in the states of the old Confederacy, okay? Mm-hmm. They eat the stuff up, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, the problem with this is that this is a narrative by these evangelical and Pentecostal Christians. I know Rob doesn't like it when I do this, but, you know, I can't eliminate facts here and facts are is the vast majority of the people that are advising the president of the united states right now that are in the white house the vice president himself the people that have got the loudest microphones including the you know folks in tupelo mississippi and the family research council and everybody else are evangelical pentecostal christians and they are absolutely influencing their base okay this isn't about conservatism this is about you know People, as you put it in the phone call with me, masquerading as Christian leaders. I mean, if Mm -hmm. my argument is at this point that if you're a Christian and you don't like people like me getting on the radio like I'm doing now, okay, and broad stroking you, then my advice is why don't you people work instead of picking on people like me talking about the truth and go shut those assholes down? That's just my, Mm -hmm. you know, two cents, Rob. Well, uh, well, if, if you're asking me that question, is because because I'm not sure why you think one group of people who disagree with them are going to have a better job of shutting them down than you could. Um, you know, it's it's just because 
that somebody is under the, the banner, the very broad, broad banner of quote-unquote Christian does not mean they are a part of that ilk in any way, shape, or form. In fact, most people who are Christian are even more offended than you are because not only is everything that's being said completely ignorant, hateful, and violence-inducing, um, but it is being done under the the guise of of that nomenclature. It's, it, Brody, it's sort of comparable to um, a Nazi journalist going out and saying uh, they speak for journalists and me turning to you and go, why are you letting him do that? You know, it's that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, they're, they are wrong. And, um, uh, Lisa, I did want to ask you about that because, we, you know, whenever a crisis happens, we always have the Looney Tunes coming out and, you know, it's it's become really a joke about, how they blame gay people for literally everything. If it's too sunny, it's our fault. If it's too rainy, it's our fault. You know, um, but um, what, what uh, are there trackings to actual physical hate crimes to some of this rhetoric that we can take out to the public and say, this is the real bloodshed that is happening because of this rhetoric? Oh, of of course. Are you talking about the overall report against against the queer community, or are you talking about kind of resources for people being um, attacked in, in in the current you know, I guess, COVID nineteen reality? For, for, for specifically, you know, in in when when one of these preachers gets on a high horse, uh, for example, mm-hmm. we know that um, uh, in the last year or two. Um, a guy walked into an African-American church um, based on, you know, crap that he had been fed and um, slaughtered a lot of the congregation purely mm-hmm. based mm-hmm. on that, that prejudice. Um, and I was just one, I know there are hate crimes that, you know, that get reported where people are obviously anti-gay, but I was just wondering if there was any deeper dive showing that, members of these kind of congregations took specific actions. Took specific, well, they're not taking specific action against it. Right. And so I think that what I would, what I would ask each of us to do is to, whenever we hear kind of dehumanizing um, um, or misinformation, rhetoric, um, hateful um, um, uh, characterization of of any of us, then we need to speak up. And it cannot we cannot just um, say, oh, you know that that's that's your belief that that that's your religious belief. And this is where um, FRC in particular and ADF will will try to fault the Southern Poverty Law Center and say falsely falsely claim that we identify them as a hate group simply because of their religious or biblical beliefs, which is not true. There are plenty of mm-hmm. uh, uh, religious people of all ilk, not just Christian, who, who don't support LGBTQ rights. There are not many of them who, go, who make it their job to vilify and, and push out misinformation that results in um, people from our community being targeted. And that's what, AR, that's what FRC does. Right. They they continue to push out false pseudoscience that would 
that would have people believe, have the, you know, their following believe that gay people are pedophiles. So there's still that, those, 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 those tropes that we thought we eliminated a long time ago. They're still pushing out that, that false and fake information, right? And so, um, so that we're somehow um, deviant. Whatever it is. Now you don't, you don't, you don't like gay people. You think you know it's not, it's not biblical. It doesn't comport with your religious beliefs. Fine. It is not up to you to go out and 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 then tell the world that we should have no rights, right? So this is and, and the way you go about doing it um, dehumanizes and and makes us second class citizens. So when that happens, we need to push back against that. I believe. I believe, and I come out of a Christian tradition. I believe that one can hold their own, you know, religious beliefs and have a relationship with whomever they identify with as their higher power and still have a healthy respect for and allow every other individual their 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 civil and human rights. So yeah, be, absolutely be, agree. be whatever absolutely, kind of Christian you want to be, yeah. but <laughs> that doesn't give you license to vilify a group of people. It just doesn't. So that's what happens right. with the groups that we identify as hate groups. They routinely demonize and spread lies about LGBT people. And we know when that happens, the, when the public discourse switches to that, which, is ha- which it has under the Trump administration, you see an increase in hate incidents, an increase in hate crimes, an increase in hate groups that target that particular group. Because now, all of a sudden, it's, it's, it's okay. You know, it's the same thing in terms of, of uh, increase in hate crimes that are targeting people who are immigrants or who perceive to be immigrants or Latinx community members. If you vilify and dehumanize people, you know, uh, uh, broadly, if that's a part of the national discourse, then it just it just serves that you're going to be attacked because your your leaders, your religious leaders, your elected officials, the president of the United States has spoken out against you. And now it's okay for right. you to bully kids in your kids at your school, or to you to deny rights to 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 to, to children, right, or to adults. Um, you know that you don't have a right to a job, that you don't have a right to um, protection, um, employment protections, the same way that that um, someone else would. It's ridiculous. You know <laughs> that that's what we're fighting against, yeah. or that queer people. Have you noticed like this whole pushback again? It's like we're back again. Now LGBTQ people or can't can't um, adopt kids anymore. We are relitigating things that we already established, you know, as 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 rights, you know. So, so that's what we're concerned about. That, that's what we're concerned about. No, absolutely. And uh, with the increase in hate crimes when they hit the courts, because we know that the courts are now being loaded up, uh, thanks to Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump. With um, and ADF, very hardline concerns, and, yeah, and yeah. the Alliance Defending um, Freedom, they are responsible for over uh, fifty um, court um, nominations or, or people being on the bench, yeah. and they're they're ultra conservative, anti LGBT. It, it's just a fact. So I'm sorry. Are are the are the hate crimes <laughs> as they are hitting hitting these benches? Are they um, being dismissed and um, played down because of that? Oh, yes, of course. Of course. I mean, they, yeah, yeah, because those those people, the ones that ADF is pushing, that the Trump administration is, you know, um, um, naming to the courts in record numbers are conservatives, and they are, they, are, they are white, they are male, they are conservative, 
and they don't support LGBTQ rights. They don't. So, you know, when when a case comes up, we'll see what happens with this case. And then you've got the Department of Justice that's going to file an amicus, a brief, a, a, a friend of the court brief saying that we, we support you and we're on your side. Now, how would a judge how would a judge rule in that case? Their conservative leanings. Right. And right. and it's not we're not we're not we're not just losing out in the courts uh relative to LGBTQ rights. We're losing across the board. I mean these people these people uh, <laughs> this takes us they they don't even believe in the in the Civil Rights Act of 1964 for the most part. You know, these are the people That's that are pushing the religious exemption. Yeah, the religious exemption. Yeah, we can see it play out in in women's reproductive health. It's 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 this is this is this is this is serious. This is serious when we say that, you know, kind of the courts, not just the Supreme Court, but the courts, we won't be able we won't we won't we're we're thinking that we have to rethink and Southern Poverty Law Center is, you know, uh a civil rights law firm. So, um, you know, it it is very much on our minds in terms of of litigation going forward, would this be an effective strategy? Don't know. I'd like to point something out because you just hit on something that I, I think is terribly, terribly important. Um, you know, it we we've seen something go full cycle from uh, what happened, for example, at the Pettus Bridge, you know, in Selma, all those years ago, and then we saw things start to change. We saw you know, passage of the Civil Rights Act. We saw passage of the Voting Rights Act. We saw some incremental changes, not maybe full changes, because there were still some issues with it. We saw changes after Loving v. Virginia. We, we started to see a progression. Mm-hmm. There. Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. suddenly, with one presidency, we've seen the scab ripped off. We've seen a re- just a basic return to mm-hmm. um, an era uh, mm-hmm. Where in the part of the country that you live in, the Klan ruled, and and mm-hmm. you know Wallace's state troopers were you know sicking dogs on people in Birmingham and and mm-hmm. fire hoses and I mean mm-hmm. they're they're not at that level yet, but you can see that they're kind of like almost itching to be at that level, and it's that well, kind Brody, of we're, disregard. We're putting we're, you putting, know? we're putting people yeah. in cages. We're putting children, brown children, in cages. Oh, we yeah. are there. That we're right? there. Okay. I'm sorry. You know, I'll take that because you're absolutely correct. I'm wrong, and I will publicly apologize. You're absolutely correct. We have returned to that. But and I, and well, I it's think a thing. That, it's about us putting yeah. it all, putting it together. There's so many atrocities. Yeah. I mean, I don't blame you. I mean, it's hard to keep up with and hard to put together. It's 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 you know, you're spinning. You know, we're we're if you just kind of think about all of, all of it. And I mean, you're absolutely right. We are going back. And certainly, we'll remember when we talked about this in terms of his um, whole campaign around Make America Great Again. We knew it was yep. to take America back to the 1950s. And who mm-hmm. had rights then? <laughs> and who didn't? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, so, I think that the other part of this, too, Lisa, is, is that I, I, the, the biggest thing, and, and I'm glad that you, that you said it, and I, I don't think maybe as a journalist, maybe we fall down a little bit on this, that we don't do enough signal amplification. But we really do need to get, you know, it, it's the old joke of don't pay any attention to the man behind the curtain. I think we do. Mm. I think we need to mm-hmm. pay attention to the ADFs. And, and we do need to pay attention to the mass resistance. And we do need to pay attention 
to the Heritage Foundation and to the family mm-hmm. and all of oh these, gosh. you know, it's basically a pseudo shadow, you know, policy setting government underneath the actual federal government. And particularly with Trump and McConnell, as Rob pointed out, being able to load the court system in the federal court mm-hmm. system with like minded individuals, which does mm-hmm. incalculable damage, because even long after Trump and his minions are gone, these people are still sitting on the bench. That is and, right. And those that, are lifetime appointments, right? Those are lifetime <laughs> appointments. So these are things we have to look for. And what's really, I think, we've seen it building and building and building now to this crescendo. And I think in many ways, it's almost an inevitability of a COVID something. And we just happened to get stuck with a bug that has now made it a, a real touchy point. I mean, the Pentagon sent out a memorandum today that's got my prime minister and my government extremely pissed off because the Trump administration wants to send troops, wait for it, to augment the border patrol along the border between my country and your country. That border, which, which has been demilitarized since the War of 1812. <laughs> you know? Right. So, and and what what is the point? I mean, isn't the United States have more COVID nineteen at this point than Canada? Um, I can actually tell you. I just, uh, as you guys know, uh, I'm a working member of the press and a senior editor. I just got this across my screen. Uh, the Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta and the World Health Organization in Geneva, along with governmental sources, are now reporting that the United States has just surpassed Italy as the global epicenter of the coronavirus pandemic. The official count of confirmed cases as of nine minutes ago, 79,862 with 1,131 deaths. You know, I, I think it's more not the fact that Trump wants to send trips to the Canadian border so much as what Leisha and I were saying, Rob, and that is that, this administration has elevated white supremacy and white nationalism to a level that hasn't been seen in this country in many, many decades. And I think the danger here is that we need to elevate voices of reason and we need to elevate voices of common sense as opposed to what Trump has been doing. Okay. And, and as Lisa, as you said to me in the interview I did with you a couple of days ago, you know, Trump and, and his people have been elevating the voices of hate. That's exactly, there, mm-hmm. there's no, you, you can't, what's that quaint American phrase in the South, Lisa, you can't put lipstick on a pig? I, I think that's really, <laughs> that's right. you know, that's it. Yeah. You know, that's right, that's right, that's right. You can't put lipstick on this pig. And, mm-hmm. um, and we need to do it. I mean, you know, Rob and I are extraordinarily lucky that we have, you know, a national, well, actually a global you know, radio platform that we, you know, every week elevate voices with and things like that. But we need to also elevate awareness. We need to do things like what you folks are doing here in Montgomery at the Southern Poverty Law Center uh, with the good gentleman, uh, the the attorney who uh, was uh, the founding force between the memorial that sits not too far away from your building there. Um, oh, Brian Stevenson. Yeah, Brian is just what a brilliant man and what a brilliant idea mm-hmm. with that memorial. But we, that's what we need to do. We need to elevate that so that we don't discount people's humanities. I mean, you discount people's humanities, you know, and this is how you end up with what happened, you know, it, it just it becomes history repeating itself. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think that that's one of the things that we need to do. 
um, is that we need to have these discussions like we're having now. And, and we need to elevate this. This is a serious problem. This is not something that you could just sit back and discount. This is something that we That's really right. honestly have to do. Rob? That's right. Yeah, I, I'm still confused, as, and I, I understand everything that Donald Trump does is brain dead, but I still do not understand any even bit of logic about militarizing between the United States and Canada when if anybody was to do that, I would think the Canadians would want to militarize to make sure none of us got over to them. Um, <laughs> I don't get it from even 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 a racial prejudice. I mean, Canada, to my knowledge, is is ethnically made up pretty much similarly to the United States. So I don't understand what that point is. I mean, do, do you have any other view on that, Brody, that, on what his logic is on this? I mean, the administration is claiming that if they were to send troops up there, it's to augment, you know, customs and border patrol officers. And, and, and it's just it's disingenuous because, you know, there are miles, thousands of miles of border between our two countries that are, well, wilderness. I mean, there's entire sections between, uh, you know, at least three of the provinces in my country and the American states you know, of Minnesota, North Dakota, Montana, Idaho, and the state of Washington that, you know, there's nobody there, <laughs> you know. I mean, <laughs> the deer and the antelope play quite nicely, thank you, because there's no human beings around. And then just, you know, freighting up and, and loading up, you know, busy border crossings uh, in Washington, New York, Vermont, New Hampshire, what's the point? I mean, you know, it, my government is being responsible about what they're doing, uh, in terms of, you know, shelter in place. And there's absolutely not a good reason that I can see uh, for the Trump administration to even consider this. Um, but, again, this is where we are. It, it's it's a tremendous waste of resources. It's a tremendous waste of manpower. Uh, and more importantly than anything else, it's a tremendous waste of money that could be devoted towards buying masks, getting ventilators. That's right. You know, That's right. the, the you know, PPE that is just desperately needed, as Governor Como pointed out in his press briefing earlier today. You know, but this is this is really the logic of, of how these people operate. And and you know, coming kind of full circle back. I mean, it's the same way that they just you know, there's no thought process involved uh, with the civil rights issues or the LGBTQI plus issues. And, and Alicia, I'm sure you probably agree with me on this point. This is strictly little more than white supremacy and white nationalism. There's no other way right. to really label this way. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank yeah. you. Thank you for bringing that. Cause that is really our main concern is that, is that white nationalist policy is, is in the mainstream. Right. And so we won't even, right. we, we, you can forget about the group soon. You've got Stephen Miller who is, is carrying out a white nationalist policy with respect to anti-white immigration in this country. Who needs who needs anti anti um, or anti immigrant um, anti immigrant or anti LGBT hate groups? You've got people in there that are that are writing the policies for them, and they're they and now um, the 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 chat rooms are filled like this is great. The borders are closed. Keep them closed. You know, it's so. I don't know. Well, that that'll be bad for Americans running up to Canada to buy. Um, uh, cheaper medical supplies, which is probably one of the biggest things that happened. So, I mean, yeah, 
in in Mexico I, it, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. None of it. None of it makes sense to me. None of it. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, not even, not even, not even, not even their agenda of it makes sense to me. It, it's um, I, I I don't see a, a win for for what they're even theoretically trying to accomplish. Um, uh, Lisa, we only have a few more minutes. What what have we not covered on the subject that we should be talking about? Well, I would just just. Well, I think we've covered we've covered a lot. So let let's go back full circle to to where you all started, and and we were just talking about, you know, the reality of living in this pandemic. So. I've read a lot about kind of how we can use this time. We can, we can choose to be different. We can choose to interact and engage with one another differently. We can choose to recognize, you know, our shared humanity and take care of one another by sheltering in place, by making, sewing masks, as you said someone was doing, Rob, by taking care of one another. Let, let, let's try that. And let's, you know, let's, let's, let's try that. Perfect. And, and on that note, um, Lisha, I would like to thank you so much for joining us. You are welcome any time at all. <laughs> thank um, you, Rob. Thank you for your, your brilliant work and uh, everything you do and for the organization itself. Um, you know, we, we, we really could not survive and make an inroads without you. Um, and Brody, thank you for all you do, keeping us informed um, on your, your, your day job as, as one of uh, America's journalists, um, very, very much appreciated, and specifically for your work here on Rated LGBT Radio. Um, to our listeners, we want to thank you for listening. Um, uh, we appreciate you very, very much. Again, please listen to past episodes. Um, they're there um, on your app, and um, I think you'll find many of them that you haven't heard both informative, plus we have a lot of entertainment-oriented discussions around movies that are available, small movies that you might have not heard of but are absolutely excellent and worth watching while you're um, staying at home. Um, Also listen to Out in Santa Cruz. That is Saturday night live. Um, It is 7 p.m. Pacific time, 10 p.m. Eastern time. And you can hear that on www.ksco.com. And for us, we will be back again here next week with another new podcast with something equally as informative and intriguing. And we can't wait to talk to you then. You've been listening to Rated LGBT Radio. 